Good morning, everybody. Kevin Drago with his dream house here, along with Chef Mark and Kevin Kipsner on the board, brought to you in part by Appliance Factory and Mattress Kingdom, Colorado's largest appliance and mattress retailer. This dream house, if you don't already know, is a program that's all about the home. We're going to discuss renovations, remodels, and converting your property into your dream house. We're also going to navigate common homeowner pitfalls and even give you advice on buying and selling homes. If you have questions or comments, contact us by email at thisdreamhouse at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter at This Dream House, and we'd love to hear from you all. All right, Mr. Kister, just when you thought we could get the Broncos out, and I really, you know, me and you get so limited in what we can talk about as sports because we, of course, have a show to do. Um, <laughs> and, and and I thought full well I would come in here and talk nugs or abs. Um, <laughs> the abs. Um, Scary. Sc- yeah. It's and getting I, nerve-wracking. <laughs> the, we, we should replay what I said to start this season when we talked about yep. the abs because it's unfortunately uh, coming true. Um, however... Uh, I I want to I, I want to um, discuss something that I heard Stoke and Zach talking about. Okay. And I take uh, homage. Is that what they say? Take homage to uh, their feeling that the Broncos, um, the only thing that's attractive about the Denver Broncos is uh, Penner and the Waltons organization because they have deep pockets. Um, I think there's more to it than making that statement. By the way, on the surface, they're absolutely right. But here's what I want to do. Let's talk, right? And this was the teams that they brought up, Houston, Indianapolis, and Denver. For argument's sake, let's say all three owners are absolutely equal. Okay. I mean, they're not, right? And so, therefore, Zach and Stoke were absolutely right that, Penners and and the Walton Group, they they are the most attractive thing about the Broncos right now. But let's go beyond that. If ownership is equal, what makes the Indianapolis Colts like a place to be over the Denver Broncos? Give me something on their side. To support Indianapolis? Yeah. There's not really a lot there. Is that defense better than this Broncos defense? No, it's not. So in Denver, you have a top at least – Granted, last couple games, they didn't necessarily show up. But you have a top team, right? Denver's the best out of those three. Okay. Now, you may not like it, but look, not for not. And and I think, and this is horrible to say, but, you know, um, yeah, look, it was all about the coach right now, in my mind. Right. Right? Because... Rosberg, man, I, I tell you what, no time. He, he hadn't coached in how long? He, he, he made this... he made decisions that should have been made midway through the year, right? So props to him for that. With the same injuries, by the way, with the same actually amount of added injuries, injuries. At, and even more injuries because we don't know if they just put like Draymond Jones on IR, Dalton Reiser yes. on IR. There's certain right. players that might have been right. able to come back, right? If they were fighting for the playoffs, they would have been back. Right. But he just, the organization yeah. said, we're going to just put you on yeah. IR. We're going to keep you healthy, save you Got for it. next year. And he looked good. They, they you know what's good. great? Decisiveness. Decisive decisions were made. Yes. Right? It, and it was simplified. Oh, my God. Imagine oh that word. God. I don't have to be the star of the show. I have to put, I have to, these guys have to believe and win. Okay. Now, good defense. Even injured, they showed that. Russ is more than competent. Yep. Jerry Judy looked amazing. You got a couple up and coming, hopefully if they're used correctly, tight ends. 
uh, yes, you got to build a line on both sides of the ball right. still. I agree, right? But then tell me this. Tell me how of those three teams, because those are the three teams that Zach specifically brought up, how is Denver not the most attractive I, of I, those three teams? I, I disagree with those guys about it because my thing is you do have one thing that those other two teams don't have. You have a franchise quarterback. And I, I'll say this. I'm not ready to give up on Russell Wilson yet because he had such bad coaching with him. This, and he could be problematic still, right? He may but, not want to listen. But look what he did in the final game of the year. Well, look at he did in the final two games of the year. He played yeah. incredible against Kansas and, City. And, and look, that just shows you that because there was some creativity by Justin Outen on the offensive side of the ball yeah. calling plays, that showed you after his injuries, after his slow starts, Week 18, there's still something left. In in a game that doesn't matter, after battling injuries, changing the offensive play calls, something works. By the way, another big decision was to, and by default, right? You had to move Jerry into Cortland's slot because he was out, right? He, but look at how big of a move Jerry, that ended up being. Jerry, a little side note, Jerry is playing angry, and I love that. Yeah. He it's finally kicked it into like another gear. It's like someone just slapped him in the face and said, dude, are you ready to focus now? It's like they knocked some sense into him. He's like, oh, I've been gone for the last three years. I'm back. Like, let's do this. Like, this is the Alabama Jerry Judy version and, we've been waiting for. And I'll probably take heat for this next season. But I'm figuring a way to sign Latavius Murray. I, I love, love how he runs the ball. That he's He has a first step. That's a lot faster than I ever imagined. And he's a truck. to st- He's going to get three yards of carry he's, accidentally. I don't, if, I don't know if you you saw him at a game this year. You went oh, yeah. to a couple games. Yeah. If For people who don't know and haven't been to a game and maybe just watched everything from on TV, the dude's bigger in person than you realize. Like he is stock. He's, he's kind of like built like a tight end to a degree. I know. I know this is unfair and on. You know who who does he remind you of? And I get it. It's a remind, and I know I'm going to offend Broncos fans. Don't say Terrell Davis. Yes. Oh. I know he's not Terrell. Don't get me yeah, wrong. Yeah, exactly. But in style, in stature, okay. in how he, how he runs at a hole, how he picks that gap and just explodes through it a little bit, right? I don't know. Obviously, we're comparing one of the all-time great Broncos and Hall of Fame. I get all that. Um, but it is who he reminds me of, running style-wise. Sorry. Okay. okay. That, that's your opinion. I, I don't see well, it. If but... I'm not right, why did you say that? What do you why, mean? Did, why said, you know who, and you were like, don't say Terrell Davis. Well, because I, I just figured you were going to go that way. No, there was plenty of guys I could have went I with. I just figured because you were like, well, don't hate me on this. No, come that on. That means you're always Some, shooting for the star Here's what that, that told me. Somebody else had to say that to you before, or you had no, to hear that from somebody. I, I, I just guess Nobody's that. ever said that? Nope. I challenge you. This is your 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 homework. I'm giving you homework okay. for next week. Okay. Go watch some just replays you know, if you could find you know them. Who reminds me of Trell? Who's that? Javante Williams. What? He's like half the size of Trell. Well, the, the size don't matter. His yes, the it, way he runs oh, the ball. And everything. No, I think Devontae's such a different runner. Oh, uh, okay. But do me a favor. Look at let film. Go look at some highlights. Why don't of, we put it on Twitter? Yeah, let's do that. That'll you, be good. From the, the this Dreamhouse Twitter page. Uh, yeah, yeah. Can you find? Get me some clips. We'll okay. put them up and okay. we'll, we'll look. But I think you're going to be like, oh, hey, I think you're right. Do do a Twitter poll. 
All right. And then we'll have it for next week. All right. We'll do a little Twitter poll All here. Right. And we'll, we, so is it, so we want to do, who does uh, Latavia style more take after? I, let's or do, how, what's the question? Do Which one of these running backs looks more similar to Terrell Davis? Okay. Cool beans. Yeah. Vontae Williams that. or, or, All right. uh, All right. Let's do that. Okay. All right, brother. I'm winning this one. You're going to take me to lunch. We'll go for hot dogs. Yes. The hot dog place down the street. (laughs) It's so good. All right. It's so good. Okay, everybody. It's time for our first guests. I say guests, Jeff, because it's uh, plural, and it's certainly a little bit different. I love it. Do you like country music? No. (laughs) (laughs) I love you, Chef. Why not? I mean, come on. You're from Ohio. Don't people in Ohio like country music? I'm from Cleveland, which is its own state outside of Ohio. Yeah, wackiness. Oh, I get it. I I get it now. We have the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, who they don't put any rockers in. But, yeah, I get that. Cleveland Rocks. Cleveland Rocks. It's also very, very cold. I don't go back in the winter. Anyway, (laughs) we have the guys in here from Hook Podcast, Kevin Kistner, our very own Kevin Kistner, (laughs) and Braley Jones. Nice to see you, Braley. Nice to see you. Kevin, I see you all the time. I'm not giving you any time. Yeah, that's fair. No, no. Kevin's a great guy, and I... You know, I I really found what you guys are doing sort of unique, uh, certainly unique here in Denver, maybe not as unique as you talk about um, Nashville. Um, But you guys feature and focus on um, country music writers. Yeah, absolutely. We uh, I started in radio, you know, 12 years ago, and I love looking up in and this will show my age enough and you guys will understand this opening cds and reading through the you, liner notes do you know who you're talking to i know okay brother i, I remember looking at h eight tracks exactly <laughs> reading <laughs> liner notes yeah, those old hand crank victorian style <laughs> like so, this yeah that's yeah. true too yeah. 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 yeah that's true too <laughs> yeah. Tattoo yeah. Yeah. so you're exactly looking it. and and you and it would just it was just something that you took a, a notice of yeah or? i remember reading liner notes and the record that we uh, we actually talk about it on the podcast all the time with some of our guests of like you know, what music brought them to wanting to be musicians. And the record that always sticks out to me is Matchbox 20 Yourself or Someone Like You. And I remember opening that CD from Columbia House, which, again, showing my age. And uh, <laughs> Did you ever pay your two cents? Heck no. Okay, I didn't think so. Reading through the, the liner notes and seeing that there's people that aren't in the band that wrote these songs. And in 2020, I came up with the concept of, hey, let's feature some of these people. Because in Nashville, there is guys who make – 50, 60, 70, $80,000 a year just writing songs from 11 to 3 on Music Row that people don't realize that these songs on the radio aren't written by, aren't always written by the guys who you hear. Yeah, and of course, you know, it brings me to, I love music, any music, by the way, chef, um, <laughs> including country. My wife's big into country. She was the, I remember her saying she was the only human being in New Jersey in 1983 that listened to country, and that was kind of a true statement. Um but there, if you look at some of the really big writers like um, Bob Dylan, right? So many people don't realize how many songs Bob Dylan uh, penned. And, um, you know, one of the other ones that you would, I didn't even know, and I happened to catch their biography, was like the Bee Gees, right? Like Barry Gibb, who, I mean, the guy had more hits. Whether you like him or not, that's irrelevant. These guys, they they were incredible in music history, However, Barry Gibb probably made, wrote more songs outside of the Bee Gees for other artists that became top hits uh, than you would ever consider. And I, I always found it fascinating. However, I would say to you I'm more inclined to follow the more 
famous people that wrote music. You know, these guys, a lot of these guys, right? I mean, you said their names. Would anybody really know? No, probably not. Um, you know, we just released an episode with a, a guy named Hunter Phelps, and uh, Hunter had five number ones last year. He had wow. five songs in the top ten on country radio at the same time. Uh, the guy, By the way, Hunter Phelps sounds very country. Oh, absolutely. But he's from Florida, which is <laughs> I funny. I thinking he might have been an artist. Like, uh, did, I hear, did he record him? Yeah, he's, he's just a tall guy from Florida. But, I mean, he's written so many songs that if you listen to country radio, you'd go, oh, I know that song. Oh, I know that song. And for Hunter, like, the best thing for him is he gets to get up. He can get up late. He can hang out with his wife and his baby. He can go down on Music Row, write a song, maybe two on a good day, and come home and not have to worry about it. And he makes more money in his mailbox from the royalties on these things right. than all Just of us up. make. Look yeah, us. it's wild. You know, so when these guys do, do most of them do both the lyrics and music? A lot of ours, it's kind of different. It's kind of a combo. Yeah, we've got a couple of people who we've had who are what they call in Nashville track guys, which has kind of become a thing in, you know, since 2010 in bro country as they talk the Florida Georgia lines where these guys will come in and they'll they'll build a track on a piano and a drum mix and they'll bring it into a writer's room and they'll write off of that. And then there's some guys like Hunter who just sit in a room with a guitar and three other people all day and they just kind of hash out a lot of it. Well, I, he is putting some music to it as much. Yeah. In other words, you know, sheet music as an example, right? You're putting chords or whatever yeah. and you're putting the lyrics. He's, they're doing both. Absolutely. And the difference between Nashville and, you know, L.A. and rock music because I came from the rock world where – you know, we would sit in a studio for three weeks and come up with stuff as we build a record. In Nashville, they write a song, they get in at 11, they drink a cup of coffee, you BS for a little bit, you throw out a title, you write a song, everybody puts their phone in the middle of the table, they play it on guitar and sing whatever the feel is, and then they send it to their publisher, and then they never see it again unless it ends up on the radio. Wow. And we've had artists tell us, or songwriters tell us, they've written songs of 15, 30 minutes. Oh, sure. I mean... Isn't there a lot of stories like that where, I, I, you know, like the Stones or the Beatles, they like literally wrote it on a napkin, you know, at a meal or something? Yeah, we had one this week that they wrote it on the beach. Yeah, Hunter, they were, it's a song, it's a, <laughs> it's a song called Sorry that Russell Dickerson cut, and they were, they were just going to go sit on the beach with uh, Ashley Gorley, who is probably the goat of country music songwriting, I think. He's the Peyton Manning of songwriting, and he just gets out there, and they're like, we're going to go to his beach house. We're going to go sit on the beach, and we're just going to relax. And Ashley goes, all right, let's uh, start throwing titles out. And they're like, are you kidding me? And next thing you know, by the end of the day, they have a, a hit, in our opinion, that's going to be a hit. The whole crowd is singing it when we saw Russell performing it. And and Hunter was actually super excited about that song. So it'll probably be a single sometime this year. It's It's out there on the album, but hopefully we'll hear it soon. Let's give you guys a quick plug. How, how can people find The Hook Podcast? Yeah, you can find us on Instagram at The Hook Pod. Um, you can search anywhere online if you listen to podcasts on wherever you listen to, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Just search The Hook Podcast, and we're right there as well on Twitter, at The Hook Pod. And we're trying to be cool on TikTok, at The Hook Pod Official. Yeah, I was under the impression that when someone sat down to write a song that they had an artist in mind. But I'm hearing that this is more of a, an artist maybe finds a song or a producer finds a song. So how does that connection happen? Well, you, when you a lot of these guys, they'll write songs possibly with with artists in their heads, like a Jason Aldean or a Blake Shelton or you know someone like that, and they'll sometimes hope that happens. 
But once they write the song, it just kind of goes out to the universe, and then whoever picks it up picks it up. So they don't they don't have control over this in 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 this particular style of songwriting. Yeah, a lot of these guys uh, have publishing deals. So there's companies that you know you see. Uh, I just saw the other day. I think it was maybe Bruce Springsteen sold. Or no, it was Phil Collins sold his publishing. Well. Everybody, you can own your publishing, but sometimes these guys have publishing deals. And so these publishing companies who are, you know, Sony and Warner Music and all these other publishing companies, they sign these uh, guys and gals and they write songs for them professionally. So they have a what they call a draw. They make their money every year. It's most of the time everybody's deals different. But I know guys who on average make 60, 70 grand a year. And what's crazy is they have to write 150 songs a year, let's say. But if the four of us write a song, that is one-fourth of a song of your 150 of the year. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. All right. So we should be working right now. All right. Throw out titles. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) exactly. I lost my cat. Uh, (laughs) That's actually really funny that you say that because we've had so many stories where um, writers have been on and they've said, oh, I just... Hunter told the story the other day where his grandma called him and she was like, I was just thinking about you. And he wrote it in his phone. And then he went into a write and they said, throw out some titles. And he threw out thinking about you. And it was the number one most played song on country radio in 2022. That's amazing. There's guys who, you know, will write songs. We've had people on that haven't had a cut in 15 years. And then there's people like Hunter who every week on Spotify, I see that, Hunter's name is on something and it might last a year. It might last six months. It might last five years. Well, and then we've had guys come on and, and we asked, uh, we had a guy named Pennington on and said, what's the longest you've had a, a song get out there and just sit on hold. He goes about six years. So sometimes these artists sure. will just grab a song and like, breathing in six years. yeah, mm-hmm. they, they just grab a song and they, they're like, we're just going to put it on hold. We might like it. Oh, you know what? It doesn't really fit on my album now. Oh, we're not going to release it. I really like it, but I don't really like it. It's, it's a thing where a lot of these artists put it on hold. And you're like, just put the song on your album or release it or something. All right. Well, listen, you two, uh, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to continue our conversation with uh, uh, Braley and Kevin here about the Hook podcast, uh, which really focuses on the writers, the writers, not necessarily the performance uh, uh, performers of country music. And we'll be right back after a word from our sponsor, Appliance Factory and Mattress Kingdom, Denver's largest appliance and mattress dealer. Huge sale now at Appliance Factory. Thousands of appliances and mattresses in stock and on sale. Save 30 to 60%. They have the largest inventory in the western U.S. They get exclusive factory buys from manufacturers at a huge discount and pass that savings on to you. Guaranteed to beat Lowe's and Home Depot sale prices. Save 30 to 60% from GE to KitchenAid at Appliance Factory. Shop with confidence. Google 4.7 stars. 10,000 reviews. Plus, Mattress Kingdom inside Appliance Factory has unbeatable savings from Tempur-Pedic to Purple. Get huge savings now at Appliance Factory and Mattress Kingdom. Okay, welcome back, everybody. Kevin Draco with Chef Mark and our guest, Kevin Kistner and Braley Jones with the Hook Podcast. And if you missed our first segment, um, the Hook Podcast is really about music writers, not necessarily uh, the music performers. Has there been somebody who really just started out writing music that you uh, have had on the podcast that turned out to be a pretty darn good performer or certainly some level of success as a performer? 
somebody that just like recently started? Well, you know, I mean, since you you guys have been doing this for a minute now, I mean, does anybody stick in your mind? I mean, no one recent recent has blown up yet. Um, we've had guys like Ben Johnson on, who actually, fun story, he moved to Nashville with his two younger sisters, and one of them was what fourteen? Yeah, one the, the youngest one was fourteen. They were in a little group, a band together, and they uh, they ended up moving out to Nashville. And next thing you know. He's writing some of the biggest songs with Hunter Phelps as well. And, uh, you know, they have they were put writing like a thousand songs a year, I think he said. But they would just sit there and like, okay, that one's done. Okay, let's write another one. Yeah, and I think what's kind of interesting in what I just heard is that, and, and I'm sure even if you went through time and even if you looked at other genres of music, right, it, it doesn't necessarily translate to writing and performing. You know, some of the bands obviously do and do it very successfully. Don't get me wrong, but and in some way, uh, I think most writers are comfortable sort of being behind the scenes. Like, like you said, hey, I wake up, I grab my newspaper, I get my uh, royalty checks, and I call it a day. What's wild is some of these writers that we have on could be phenomenal artists on their own. So. Really? We get texts from writer friends of ours all the time with demos, like from the writer's room or something that maybe an artist said, oh, I, I really want to hear what that would sound like for me. So can you guys produce it a little bit more? And they'll text them to Kevin and I. And some of the vocals on them from just our writer friends are better than the version here on the radio. It's wild. Do you think these writers are just there mentally where, yeah, you know what? I just don't want to deal with all of this. Like, I'd rather somebody else kind of deal with it. Yeah, I think there's we, – we talked to a few, and they're just like, we're, we just like writing. We really came to Nashville to write. You know, we didn't really come to be this mega superstar like a Jason Aldean. We just – we really like writing songs for do other people. Do you think more kind of went to Nashville to perform and then became a writer? Or do you, no, more probably went just to write. I think it's more – in our case, there's a lot that – move to Nashville to write songs and then they what they do is then they play these writers rounds downtown and in Midtown and you know there's a place called Live Oak that if you're ever in Nashville that is the place to go see writers round there is guys and gals that write songs for a living that you've never heard of that will play some of the most phenomenal songs with some of the most phenomenal voices that play on a Thursday night in a random bar right down the street from Music Row and you would have no idea yeah, the, that starving artist, which uh, appeals to many, myself included. Like when I first started cooking, I was like, I want to, I want to scrape by for a year or two, but really learn. And so I think that appeals to a lot of people. Yeah, it's crazy to me too, because like I come from the rock world where you know you write songs as a band, you sit down in a studio and you 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 hash it out and you figure out the parts. And everybody plays their instrument, and you move on to the next one. And you have a big whiteboard. And these guys, I mean, some people, they're cutting a song a week, a song every, two songs every couple of weeks, something like that. It's completely different. So do any of these songs accidentally or on purpose end up in different genres? Yeah, absolutely. There, We've had a writer on. Her name is Lisa Vanderheim, and she is a, a big country writer. She's done most of the new Kelsey Ballerini record, who is a country superstar. But she wrote a song with some friends of hers that ended up being um, cut by One Republic, which is, you know, a Denver yeah. band, which is massive. 
and then it got a Kygo, who's like an EDM DJ, remixed it, and then it became this like worldwide thing, all because they wrote it in a little house in Nashville, Music Row. Some of the stories that we've had, and Kevin can attest to this, like uh, we had a, there's a guy on country radio right now named Jelly Roll, who's this <laughs> six foot seven, four hundred and fifty pound. He was a Hence rapper. He was a rapper at one point. Yeah. And we had a guy named Michael Whitworth on who writes a lot in rock and writes a lot in country. But he said that he was talking to Jelly Roll's producer who was a friend of his. And he said, hey, man, I want to write with Jelly Roll. And he goes, okay, keep your phone on because it's like the bat phone. He said, well, one night at like midnight, his phone rings. And he picks it up. He's like, hey, Jelly wants to hang out. And so he said he rolled up into a studio kind of like this. And Bayless had sent him a track that they were working on. So he kind of riffs some stuff in his head on his way there. And he walks in and Jelly Roll is like, Whitworth, what you got, man? And he's like right here, and he's like, there's like 40 people in this room. There's label people. There's Jelly Roll's whole like entourage. His wife is there. Our friends are there. And he's like, I had to get in the booth, and he just like hit space bar, and he made me just sing what I came up with on my drive to the studio. Number one song in on rock radio last year. Wow. <laughs> All because of that random time that they spent together. Well, listen, on that note, we're going to end it on a hit. Yeah. Uh, I, I really enjoy you guys, man. And, and we're going to have to have you back on because I got like a million more questions. I yeah. got questions I wanted to ask you that I didn't even get out uh, because it's so easy to talk and talk music. And I love music. But let's tell everybody again how they can find the Hook pro, uh, podcast uh, with Kevin Kistner and uh, Braley Jones. Yeah, yeah, you can find us online. Kev runs our Twitter. It's at the Hook Pod. Yep. Instagram, same thing, at the Hook Pod. We're on Facebook. Um, and then you can stream us anywhere, Spotify, Apple Music, anywhere you listen to podcasts. Well, listen, you two. I'm looking forward to the time I can say I had them on air when, and look at them now. They're on the red carpet. <laughs> the best part is if you like this show and you hear how great this sounds, Kev produces our show. And so it sounds yeah, just not, as not, great. It, it's actually pretty <laughs> impressive. Uh, I would highly recommend our listeners and Chef okay. to uh, go out and check these guys out. I'm checking it out. It's a whole other world, man. Yeah, these guys are my friends. I can't wait to support them. Uh, we're, we want a book report next week. You got it. <laughs> Episodes 1 through 37. No problem. Yeah. <laughs> Cliff Notes. All right, you guys, thanks for coming in. Thank you. Okay, Kev, it's that time. Got the stopwatch ready. It is Chef Mark's 10-second tips. 10-second tips. He's got to answer our question in 10 seconds or less. I love it. Much like the Broncos, he has an awful record at this. Um, <laughs> I need better coaching, and my offense is just a disaster. Yes, all of the above is true. All right, Chef, uh, I had the pleasure of – having enjoying a beautiful um, New Year's Eve dinner with you guys. That's right. And it was very fun. I really enjoyed myself. And we won't talk about what happened to me on the way home. Maybe a, next show. A, a special thank you to uh, Red Square Bistro yeah, for uh, providing just a, yeah. a memorable evening. A memorable evening and, you know, just the most incredible service and beautiful people. So in light of that, I, yeah. it got me thinking, right, because for New Year's Eve um, – it's a, a, a lot of sort of preparation. Usually sort of most restaurants forgo their regular menu because it's just going to be really busy. Busy. Yeah, they got to get ready for that. Yeah, and they got to get ready for that. So in 10 seconds or less, what – and I don't want to cook ahead of time answer. I want a explanation of what's the most efficient way to get 
to get ready for that meal, uh, prepare it, and still be able to serve it fresh and hot? Uh, from a restaurant standpoint or yeah. at home? Uh, from a restaurant standpoint. Ooh, okay. All right. That's a tough one. Got the clock there, Mr. Kistner? Yep. All right. Ready? Go. Start weeks in advance. Buy a lot of product. And prepare your staff. Uh, and make sure that your menu is special, something that you can't get the rest of the year. And that's going to be a guarantee for New Year's Eve success. 10.7. That was the most vaguest answer I think you've ever given me. You know what? I stumped you a little bit, I think. A little bit. You did. And I'll tell you why. Because in in the restaurant business, when it comes to New Year's Eve uh, and special events, you need to keep your your regular customers happy. But also, that's your chance to hook new people. And I think that that's like, for example, the menu that we enjoyed, that's what it did. I'd never been there before. I was extremely satisfied with dinner. And then you and Cindy go all the time. Yeah. And you were. And it was, yeah, I mean, we just love their regular menu. But it was, it, and you missed the regular menu, but you guys were really happy yes, with new menu so. items that oh you're not going to see the rest of the year. So I would say they nailed it. So although my answer was kind of vague, I think my further explanation outside of the uh, time clock, I'm looking at you, Kistner. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, I would have been gotten, I would have gotten so much, so much flack from Kistner. Kistner? What? I would have gotten so much flack from Kevin over there that I don't know what I don't know if I could have taken it. So, uh, happy New Year's to everyone, uh, and I hope you enjoyed your dinner as well. All right, everybody. Well, that's going to do it for today. Don't forget to join us next Saturday here on 104.3 The Fan for more great information all about the home on this dream house. Have a great day, everybody. Look at that. Three thirty oh six. Boom. You can ask. Why is it now they they go fully